and this is one of the questions that we get the most from migrant entrepreneurs, especially those who are non-Europeans or probably holding a passport. The first thing is like, Anna, I need help. I'm releasing my company and I got stuck from the first step of opening a bank account because every bank is rejecting me. Welcome to the Startup Knockout Podcast. I'm your host, Timo Higgs. Today on the podcast, we have Anna Alvarez from Migrapreneur. She is making the lives of migrants here in Germany significantly easier as they come in and they start businesses. This is a super interesting topic as a migrant myself. I'm really interested to hear how her organization is changing everybody's lives when they come into Germany. So Anna, thanks so much for coming on the show. Well, Timo, thank you so much. I wish I can believe and I can, we can do exactly what you said, which is easy in people's lives. We're trying our best helping people navigate into the hurdles of, of bureaucracy. And we're going to dive into that very, very quickly. But before, but before we do, uh, I want to go into your background a little bit because you are a bit of not just a serial entrepreneur, but you've worked in not-for-profit a lot. And I imagine this kind of colors how you've come to this particular stage in your life. So I'm seeing a huge list of different organizations you've worked for. Fundipan, a civil rights organization. You've done multiple TEDx conferences on education, United World College in Costa Rica, United Action in Berlin, the list goes on. So give us a sense of how this journey has led to you working with a focus on migrants here in Germany. Um, my partner at the time, got, and we moved to Germany. He got a job in Berlin and we moved here and I found nothing. So it seems like all this amazing career that I had back home, the respect I had back home, um, um, didn't make any, any, nobody would understand that in Germany, my background as well. Um, I discovered that very quickly after applying for more than 200 jobs, um, getting some interviews and in the interview, the kind of questions I received led me to think that they were not ready for people like me. Uh, but it was not up until I applied for a volunteer position to be a consultant for social entrepreneurs, where finally I got accepted. Um, and I didn't only got accepted, I went to a meetup for an informational session. Um, it was full of people because the topic back then, which was very circumstantial in August, September 2015, when I came to Berlin, it was the welcoming of Syrians. And since I already had experience back home working with people from Syria, from Palestine, Iraq, all the refugees as well, I kind of knew what to do um, to shape and support these um, social and first initial project ideas. And that very same place where I went to this meetup was the first home of my first nonprofit organization. And so I think that all circle back to that moment, but I can tell you that that was not my initial intention. I think that my experience and what I did back home, it just shaped me and prepared me for doing so, although I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship. Um, I want to go back a little bit to something that you said. Uh, I want to zero in a little bit on, you were saying you were having a, a tough time finding yourself a job here even though you had the experience. And this is something I've felt a little bit as well coming here is unlike where I'm from, which is Canada, where if you can prove that you can do it, if you can show you have the experience, that tends to be all you need. They don't really care if you have a bachelor's or not. It's just, can you do the work? Mm -hmm. If you can, you're good. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if from your perspective, this is getting any better here in Germany, because this is very much a stereotype no, of no, German better. bureaucracy. They love their certifications. Mm -hmm. Is this getting any better at all? 
No, it's not getting embedded at all and it's also structural. And I want to go back to what you said, like if you go at many mentors and people I found in the social enterprising, for example, I was told many, many times is, oh, sweetie, you should have gone to United States and not to Germany. Um, probably in the United States, you would have been very successful right now. And this type of um, comments allow me to think that one, Germany is not ready. Germany needs more migrants for sure. Mm -hmm. but it's not, not ready, ready for what? For, for for the potential that it takes to host migrants and to mm -hmm. kind of support them in the system where they can build companies, where they can get to job. I mean, when we call it bureaucracy, which is our nonprofit daughter organization, it's because we see it like that. We see that the bureaucracy is crazy, that all these um, appointments and processes and paperwork is insane. And then you have in place those who are working to behind this bureaucracy, which are angry misunderstanding that we don't want to do paperwork and we don't want to do all this stuff that we don't want to be transparent and pay taxes we want to there's a huge um um denial that there are things that need to be changed um in order to improve it so yeah. what is the reason why this is not happening it has a lot to do there's some things that needed to be changed which are already in place it's just also a mindset behind the person who has been doing the job the same job probably for the last 14, 30 years, and they just basically don't want to change the way they're working. Tell me a little bit about this mindset, because mindsets are fluid things. Mm -hmm. I mean, some mindsets change faster than others, and some change slower. Uh, mm -hmm. I have my experiences with it, but I'm interested in yours. Tell me about the difference mm -hmm. you see between maybe people here that are a little bit older, that are a little bit more stuck in their mindset, mm -hmm. and people who are younger. How different is that mindset? Mm -hmm. Um, look, I, I, I never make that difference because, for example, I, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm kind of already in a, in a different generation. And I like to be surrounded uh, every time if I have to think about bringing uh, people that I want to hire. I like to hire people who have a younger mentality, who can be able to connect me with things that I don't even know that exist. Right. For example, if social media has to be handled by somebody, it has to be handled by somebody who knows what's going on right now. I don't even have TikTok. I don't have interest in that. The times that I've been in TikTok, I just send funny messages to everybody. I don't even know how to use it. Probably never going to make a video. So the mindset comes with the fact of being open minded enough to understand that we get old. Our experiences sometimes, unfortunately, get old as well. And we need to be surrounded by young people many, many times to understand how the world is working and how it's going to end up working. Because at the end of the day, I think that when you see a lot of, and this comes mostly from conservatism backgrounds, sometimes when you see an old person not giving up, not being able to step out, who wants to be a CEO forever and wants to run their show forever, that to me is a red flag on true leadership. Because sometimes you have to acknowledge that giving the seat to another new young person or somebody new, it comes with innovation and refreshing mindsets. Yeah, I, I think you're hitting on something really important here. Mm -hmm. I want to highlight it is that these bureaucracies, these big mm -hmm. government organizations, they're all filled with people, everyday normal people. Mm -hmm. And some of them, you're right, they don't want to change. They're comfortable, they're happy. They're Others paid. do want to change, yes. they don't want to keep doing it this yes. way but mm -hmm. they can't because this requires a hierarchy mm -hmm. of decision-making that they're just not mm -hmm. a part of. So the, the part that I wanted to push back against a little bit here, because mm -hmm. although I agree with you wholeheartedly mm -hmm. about what you're saying, what I want from you is a few bright spots. Show me what motivates you 
Tell me a story or two about a change that you've seen in Germany so far that is helping. It goes back as well to the root and why we focus on migrants first and foremost, because I know these affect everybody. And a lot of things have been improved for the better, a lot of them. I mean, I cannot even tell you how it was back in 2016 when I registered my um how many, lack, I mean, the, the, the lack of support, for example, the Berlin Senate was not that strong in supporting startups as they do it today, for example, and how much open-minded they are. I mean, I, my, 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 I should not say this, but my finance aunt sends me, pay, sends me letters translated in both languages, in German and in English, because they already probably noticed that I um, get back to them a little bit later because it takes me a while until somebody checks what I wrote. And this is one of the questions that we get the most from migrant entrepreneurs, especially those who are non-Europeans or probably holding a passport. The first thing is like, Anna, I need help. I'm releasing my company. And I got stuck from the first step of opening a bank account because every bank is rejecting me. So that didn't happen in 2015, 2016. It's happening now. So it's, 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 it's getting more complicated. And I think that we're not getting the bottom of it. it and, and, and the only reason why this, is, this keeps happening is because there's no migrants. There's no people who have suffered and have gone through it involved in the decision making. I, I was talking about this actually with my last guest. It was if the people who are at the top, who are making all the end decisions, if they don't have direct experience mm -hmm. with the problem that you're trying to solve, yes. then it will take them infinitely longer yeah. to be able to understand yeah. the problem and then move on it. And that, you're right, is absolutely a massive problem here. But um, I, 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 do like, I do like hearing about these things though, like, because I think it's, it's important, especially, uh, especially in the not-for-profit sector, because mm -hmm. Um, you're not not-for-profit, but you have a not-for-profit arm, which is the Bureaucrazy, which You're I love right. that name. Bureaucrazy, <laughs> right. I, very, very like creative. My co-founder, Monster, and a brilliant behind that name. And actually, it was very... <laughs> it's I, a good I one. I have to tell you how it all started. Moonser, which is my co-founder, he started to write, because um, Bureaucrazy has a long, long story uh, with this. So I remember when he was writing on the board about bureaucracy and all this stuff, and unconsciously, every time he grew the name, he was confusing the C with a Z. <laughs> all the time and everybody was like okay i we know we know that you're crazy you know so it's that's the story behind it and i think um it's in the back of our head somebody just said it out loud <laughs> that's a beautiful mistake that yes, that feels like yes. that feels like fate it, it was yes. meant to be mm -hmm. yeah so let's talk a little bit more about startups and the startup ecosystem actually so you're based in berlin Yes. And I see you've also been a mentor at the Founders Institute of <laughs> Berlin for a while. Uh, let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, tell me about what the Berlin ecosystem has afforded you. The the, the startups I see happening in Berlin, um, it's I mean it's happening, it's growing. You see the growth in the last years exponentially, which is good. You need to have a big shrunk in order to from there somebody will go out and disrupt and do something new. But I think that uh, the startup ecosystem in, in Berlin, part of the fact that we still are talking in very basic words in the whole system around us, is not allowing us to, to really disrupt and innovate as it happens in other places. I see new uh, people who are coming not just to Founders Institute because that's, uh, I love Founders Institute, I love what they do, but uh, because of Micropreneur, I get people coming out from a lot of other incubators, um, especially early stage incubators, which they don't entirely have already a company, it's just an idea. 
I see a lot of ideas who are repetitive everywhere. They just basically change the message. So I, I, th there are many things happening, really good ones, and there are a lot of them which are very repetitive somewhere else around the world. I see, I, I see a lot of what you're seeing is mm -hmm. there's a lot of ideas coming out of the German startup ecosystem, not just the Berlin mm -hmm. one, where you're right. It's, they're not changing things massively. It's not a huge innovation. I imagine, and this is just my theory, and I'd like your thoughts on this, is because it's such a young ecosystem and it's not yes. very well developed, and this and is back to normal. mindset, this is and back to normal. mindset, mm -hmm. is, is the startup mindset of really changing mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. and breaking things is not something Germany has been playing around with for very long. I imagine they need some time to practice. And it's, and it's completely normal. And I, see, and I see as a potential prediction that this is going to change for the better because it's young and still you see how rapidly it's growing. I have to speak very well about the Berlin Senate and the efforts they do, um, even within their framework of bureaucracy and the many things that they are allowed and not allowed to do for, for public funding point of view and so on and so forth. I see people who are very open-minded, um, for example, speaking in English, open-minded on uh, being there. I see always the same people on the Berlin Senate going to different events. That says a lot because that's, that, that change that you're talking about and the growth essentially is going to take a lot of efforts from people, which most of these times these efforts are not even paid. Are there any particular politicians or people within the the, uh, the Berlin Senate that you see is doing exemplary work that needs to be emulated by others? For me, his name is, is his name is Norbert. I mean, I see Norbert everywhere, and every and the reason why I called him out is because when I had migration hub back then, which I had a big space in in the middle of Alexanderplatz, when he took over the position in the startup uh, office in in the Berlin Senate, um, he came over without notice. He was just wanted to see. If, what we're doing, what's happening, and so on. And he didn't do it only for, for me. He did it for many co-working spaces existing. And I think this is the most brilliant thing. I mentioned this to him, and I hope I did it at some point when I have met him elsewhere. I think, first of all, this is a huge effort because you don't change the world and you don't change the system behind a computer. You have to, you have to go outside. Let's talk a little deeper now about Micropreneur. I want to make this nice and concrete. So mm -hmm. let's say... I'm a migrant. I've been in Germany for a couple of months, let's say six months. I've got an idea for something that I would like to found as a company, but I have no idea how to do it. I come to you. What are some of the steps I take and what are the touch points where Migrantpreneur is helping me as a migrant entrepreneur? Well, the first thing that I would do is to invite you to join our community, which is a peer-to-peer -peer community. We have also other um, people who already created their businesses and are a bit more advanced. Some of them are not much because uh, as well, there are some like that, which I call it aspiring entrepreneurs. So the aspiring entrepreneurs, they can join the community. They can start asking questions. They can have a session with me or other people to just basically uh, size their ideas. Um, because if they already have an idea or they don't even know what, but they have some sort of sense where to go. The first thing that I do, especially in these calls, is to essentially tell them which um, incubators, which programs exist out there for like build ideas or uh, the, um, the, um, the whole inception concept for those who are already creating companies, which are already very fixated. Um, 
connect them with lawyers, connect them with what they need to do in order to register their, their company. I give them a little bit of, we give them a little bit of information of what it means to build a company, what are the things that they need to know and they need to have, because there is a little bit of a lie out there that you, that you can build an UGE with one euro, which is not true. I mean, you need to have money to pay the lawyer. You need to uh, probably, you know, so there's a lot of, um, I mean, out of a sudden you receive a letter from the Amsgeries for their registration. So you need to have something. You don't, you don't build it with one euro. Uh, so, mm -hmm. so those are the little things that we kind of clarify to people and sometimes telling them that, look, many times I said, look, these are the incubators in the Berlin Senate, those who are based in Berlin, who are providing scholarships for those who have a certain idea or for CTOs who want to be matched. And, and so we get that a lot, actually, uh, potential CTOs who want to build something, but they don't have an idea. So they are perfect to join certain programs because this is the program that they matched other um, uh, co-founders. And a lot of people are always looking for CTOs anyways. So that's the initial journey. And that's why we exist, try to kind of guide individuals. Okay, so there's a bunch of things that I heard mm -hmm. from that. So the, number one, there's the community, which is really yes. important, getting people in touch with others, mm -hmm. like them, that is super, super valuable. Uh, number two is a bit of the education side of it. So they might want to do something, but they're not actually sure how, mm -hmm. and you have the resources and you can show mm -hmm. them, this is a great course for you. This is a great organization. These people will help you out. And all their uh, programs then, as well, and other communities. Sometimes we are not the right community. Okay. And then, and mm -hmm. then there's help with bureaucracy. So mm -hmm. real quick, we, we mentioned earlier in the show, your not-for-profit arm, Bureaucracy. Yes. Where does Micropreneur start and where end and where does bureaucracy <laughs> begin? We have a concept that is going to change both very soon. Hopefully by the end of the year, it's going to be very clear to people because we are working to separate them both, although they're going to be married together always. Um, the reason for that is because Micropreneur as a for-profit has a goal, an idea that it's been in the making for years already. It's very ambitious. Um, it's a very, um, uh, we've gone through this journey uh, for a long time. Actually, the community is a result of it. Um, we build a community, not because we, we wanted to build a community in the first place. That was not our initial idea. I think the community happened as a result of our user journey or learning from users, how they could potentially navigate through the entire system platform that we're building for them. Uh, and so that's the for-profit. And I think that very soon there will be a platform available for people to navigate through Micropreneur. And that's going to be the easiest way for people to understand what Micropreneur is. For now, an online platform. it's an online platform. It's actually a SaaS, okay. it's a software as a service. Um, and it's a system that we hope we can connect people digitally completely to the resources that I'm talking to you about. But the nonprofit will continue doing nonprofit activities. We'll continue hosting all the educational programs there will be probably a campus that we're building. I don't want to get that far for this because we depend a lot on on, on funding for that part at the moment, which we're just waiting. Um, but there probably will be a campus where we would like to help people to innovate around bureaucracy. Uh, we don't want to continue helping people navigate through bureaucracy. I think the time is here. We need to help to change that. And that's what we want bureaucracy to continue doing. So bureaucracy is trying to, if I understand this correctly, sort of reach out and instead of just helping individuals navigate the bureaucracy, you're reaching out to try and change it, to help with the change itself. Is that, is that what I'm understanding? Yes, mostly, mostly with education, incubation, and um, uh, advocacy as well. 
And then Migrapreneur will continue its journey in digitalizing and basically its motto, uh, the mission of Migrapreneur is assisting people on the move. Interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, before we move on to the next section of our podcast, um, can you give me one or two good migrant stories? Because I imagine you have lots. Uh, yeah, and I have a lot. And also not only in Germany, but outside as well. But let me focus in Germany and let me focus with one person who's very dear to me. I mean, all of them, everyone is dear to me. But there's one person who I look after a lot and I'm always very happy to hear any update from him on LinkedIn. So this is this crazy human being who in 2017 knocked my door at Migration Hub and he sat down with me with a cell phone and he said, I build it. I didn't believe it, but he said, I build it. He came from, of course, I didn't believe it, but I mean, I was kind of shocked. Um, not surprised, but shocked because he was a refugee and he's still a refugee. He came from Syria in 2015. And he told me that he was already raising funds and so on and so forth. And he said, oh, I need mentorship. And I said, look, we have a program. Back then we had an incubation program for migrant entrepreneurs. And I said, look, I don't think this incubator is going to help you because if you're very, like, if you have that far, I don't think you're going to, I mean, I think you're going to get bored. But we have helped each other in many ways. And he has reached out to us in many ways. And actually, which is now in the full concept of micropreneur and helping these startups in, in understanding restructuring, not restructuring per se, but from a financial part, bureaucracy part. Um, his own visa trip, which is a very difficult one, especially because he got invited to go to Silicon Valley and a person with a refugee status is not allowed to get out of the Schengen area. So that's what we do as well, the kind of questions we get, not just how to build a company. Also, a lot has to do with visas issues um, as well, and, and there's Lenda Behorin most of the time. So where is he at now? Where what's, is he what's the now? the recent update? It's incredible. I mean, he's... Uh, which year are we? 2023. In 2022, 2021, he was named um, the best innovation in Europe. He is raising money. He's growing. He's not only innovating on the hardware part, but also he's doing it with, um, not sure if it's a yeah, material, right? Which is made out of carbon. Actually, his company is called Carbon. His name is Firas. And um, I hope if he ever listens to this, how much admiration I have for him. It's a really nice story, especially considering the constraints that he's operating inside of. Yes. I really like that. We will we'll make every efforts to find him on LinkedIn and at least link out to it so he knows that you're giving him <laughs> beautiful shout outs and, and um, yes. sending yes. good feelings as well. Okay. So this is really interesting stuff. We're going to leave it behind a little bit now and get to the game at the end of our podcast. So this is win, lose, or draw. Anna, are you ready to play a little game with me? Let's do it. So our first one. Germany is currently ranked 22nd in the World Bank's ranking of ease of doing business. Mm. So bureaucracy is a big part of that. Win, lose, or draw, Germany ever making it to the top 10? Well, I'm actually surprised they make it to the top 22, to be honest. (laughs) I was too, actually. (laughs) Very, very surprised. Uh, Wow. Um, Well, well, a, a a little bit of defense here. If you've ever tried to do any sort of business in an Asian country, because okay. I used to live in Taiwan and I tried to set up a charity there. Germany is difficult, but there's always a way. It just takes right. a long time. You need a yeah. lot of translation work. Yeah. With Taiwan, it wasn't clear that you could do that. You always had to find the exact right person. And that mm-hmm. person had to like you enough to make the decision in your favor. And they had to feel secure enough in their job that their higher ups 
weren't going to slap them back down after you after they gave a migrant a chance. So at least in Germany, there's always a way. I think I will leave it as a win because I have hopes and I hope that we can work together. And I hope that also Migropreneur is part of the game changer in that arena. But um, I think that the World Bank was focusing more on the social fact, which is also something. And, and the reason why I said at the beginning that Germany has so much potential is because it's a country that is committed to human rights in a way. And, and, and the fact that I am able to open a company, the fact that you are able to open a company in a German as well, is because it's a company driven by law. And, um, and it gives the opportunity to everyone who has the right to do so, right? If you have the right working permit and everything, you are allowed to do so. So on that end, I want to tell Germany, do not lose because the being in an open country, it, it's just a set for potential. So I hope it's a win. I, I choose a win. Let's keep that hope alive. <laughs> it's already 22, <laughs> in the rank of 22, that's already a win. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, surprised, but glad, I, yeah. I guess. Okay, next one. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw. Germany having multilingual, not mm. just English, but multilingual mm. language support at their mm. government offices. Yeah, I'm going to make a draw here. Um, as much as I would love to, but it's not possible. I think my my my... My take on this is that um, this is only going to happen in Berlin. I think that Berlin is going to continue advancing mostly on this side. I think the rest of Germany is a, is a loss. And I, I get it. I understand the, the, the importance of learning German. But when it comes to startups and when it comes to scale, scaling up and tech, particularly, um, we should be, I think Berlin will be very similar if it, if it happens similar to Estocolm, which they already declared English as a second language. And a lot had to do with business and startups on this. Sweden, really? Mm -hmm. They declared mm -hmm. English as a second language now that I, mean, I did even, not even, know. Even Israel, you know? Though, like Germany, once they've kind of got it in their head that they need to do something, then, you know, they're pretty good to do it. It just takes them a long time. They're very careful people. Okay, so last one. Now, this one is colored by my Canadian background, as everybody <laughs> probably knows, at least I hope everybody knows. Canada is an extremely multicultural place. Yeah. So win, lose, or draw, mm -hmm. Germany one day becoming so multicultural that people just stop thinking about it. I would have to make a draw here because um, although this is where it will end up being, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy because my hat in, as an expert in human rights tells you that Europe is closing its borders more and more every year. There's right now a campaign, a very heavy one coming from the UK in partnership with Germany and France because now they're out of the Brexit and the European Union, because they have now a Swedish president in the Council of Europe, is very conservative and against migrants. They're trying unanimously to draw the line of who enters and who doesn't into Europe. Um, having said that, is an unfortunate period of time that we're living, uh, drawn by conservatism and fear, which is completely irrelevant for multiculturalism and the good benefits that takes with this. But they're trying to prepare for the future uh, wrongly. And I think um, a country that needs so many migrants because it's aging very fast um, is going to lose also that opportunity. But I said a draw because Germany somehow always finds its way to make it happen. But from the look of everything, it's not going to be in the way we imagined, kind of Canada or United States. Yeah, challenges for the future. It is going to be chaotic, but startups and innovators tend to be the ones that thrive in that environment. So yep. let's, uh, yep. let's, let's, let's place our hopes there. 
And that's why the majority of migrant entrepreneurs or those with migrant backgrounds, not just in Germany, but also in Europe. I mean, it's everywhere. It's just if you compare the statistics, of course, less in Germany, but it shows you a linear path. It's always the majority of founders of startups are going to be first generation migrants, meaning people who just arrived to a country. Yeah, I, I can think of more than a couple just off the top of my head. But we'll have to leave it there for now. And thank you, Anna, so much for coming on our podcast. This has been extremely enlightening and, <laughs> and hit me right in the gut. But often that's the thing that you need in order to be able to get a perspective on the world that you didn't have from before. So thank you so much. Thank you for having us and for giving us a chance. And don't forget to join the community as well of migrant entrepreneurs. We're trying to help each other. That's it. Absolutely. Then take care, everyone. And that brings an end to our Impact Startup mini-series. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week. If you're watching on YouTube, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. If you're listening as an audio podcast, we'd love a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It helps other listeners find us. Take care, everyone. See you next week.